Are you Potter and family? Search hashtag Potter and family on Twitter to find a wide variety of great podcasts, including this one. Dedicated to the DC Arrowverse on the CW Network. It saved this city. A Flash and Arrow podcast. And now here's your host, Matt Murdick. Hey there, and welcome back to Save This City Podcast, or if it's your first time hearing us, welcome to the Save This City Podcast, a podcast dedicated to pretty much the DC Universe on the CW and CBS, pretty much the Berlanti DC Universe, as I typically call it. Uh, This week on episode 17 of the podcast, we are covering uh, the Legends of Tomorrow, season one, episode five, Fail Safe. And Supergirl, Season 1, Episode 14, Truth, Justice, and The American Way. My name is Matt Murdick, and I am from SaveThisCityPodcast.wordpress.com. That's where you can find everything regarding this podcast. You can find the back episodes of the podcast in downloadable or streaming form. You can also find links to to contact me if you have any feedback regarding any of the episodes of the podcast or any episodes that we cover of uh, the show's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Supergirl, Flash, or Arrow. And you can also find podcatcher links. And if you follow those podcatcher links to either iTunes or Stitcher, or if you're picking up this podcast on some other podcatcher, whatever podcatcher you're using, if you could take the time to leave me a written review on the podcatcher's page for my podcast, then I would very much appreciate it. It helps me stay more noticeable among the other uh, great podcasts that cover all of these shows. And when you do that, then that allows more people to chime in on the community of this. And that's really the goal of this podcast is to hear everybody else's thoughts, not just you listening to me ramble off my thoughts for an hour uh, about the shows, because you probably get tired of just hearing my voice. You'd probably like to hear someone else's opinion besides myself. And I do try to get Donald and Camille on when I can. I've been touring this month, so my schedule is not as uh, applicable uh, to be able to record with other people as I would like it to be, hopefully um, towards maybe mid-March. Some of that will clear up and I'll be able to have them on more often. Um, But in the meantime, I could read your emails with your thoughts about these episodes or your thoughts about the podcast. Or I could read tweets that you send me with thoughts about uh, the episodes or the podcast. Or I could play a voicemail that you would leave about the episodes or the podcast. And now you're probably asking, well, how do I do this? Well, for one way, you can go to savethecitypodcast.wordpress.com and you can find all of those links there in order to contact me. But I'm going to just tell you anyway, you can send your emails to savethecitypodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at savethecitypod or you can leave a voicemail by calling 314-669-1840 and i Any feedback that I get, and I haven't been getting any feedback, really, except an occasional tweet uh, from our buddy at Michael underscore Aaron uh, on Twitter, or uh, an occasional tweet from one of our co-hosts here, Donald, uh, every once in a while, at Donald JR. 
on Twitter. Um, I haven't really been getting a whole lot of feedback, and I would love to hear your thoughts about this, um, not to be criticized or whatever. It's just to be shared with the rest of our listeners. Um, if my opinion differs from yours, then I, I'd love to hear that. And I guess that's enough about the podcast, right? You've rattled on enough, Matt. Just start talking about the darn episodes. Well, let's do that. Let's start with Legends of Tomorrow, Season 1, Episode 5, entitled Fail Safe. It was written by Brett Beth Schwartz and Gronya Godfrey. Finally getting my Irish names right because of this week's Supergirl. Uh, that's Gronya Godfrey. And then it was directed by Dermot Downs. And... I'm sorry. I mean, I'm probably going to sound a little bit Debbie Downer for this episode as, as far as Legends goes. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you like action, this was a good episode. Um, if you like a little bit of cheese with your action and a little cheese on top, then this was a good episode. But I'm really not finding much in terms of a like story in most of the Legends episodes so far. And don't get me wrong, yes, it's new. Um, and I may be thinking a little too critically about a show that's just getting on its feet. But these showrunners have lots of experience with developing Arrow, with developing Flash. Um, they've got several episodes of Supergirl under their belt. And, and while different people are heading different aspects of the universe it's still pretty much the same core people that are overseeing everything so it doesn't seem like much of an excuse since these guys are already good at at what they do it seems like they're just not living up to par um they're putting much more into the action sequences and the visual effects and that's fine i mean that makes it look great and if you like i said if you're into that kind of thing then you probably really love this episode um but for me these are characters that we've all seen, and maybe save Rip and Kendra. We've seen them a lot before in some of these other shows like Flash and Arrow. And yet, I've yet to feel any real peril for them. And I don't really find them all that interesting either. But let me get to the peril thing first. Um, maybe because they killed Carter, uh, then you're supposed to care more for you know, the possible peril to our other characters. Uh, maybe they will all die eventually. But so far, if Ray gets beat up, I'm not really that worried about him. If Sarah has her sights on Stein, I'm really not all that worried about Stein. And part of, I think, of where that comes from is that since we do know some of these characters, like Stein, like Sarah, um, we haven't really learned anything new about them um, since their Flasher Arrow appearances in the first five episodes of this series. Maybe we've learned a little bit more about Snart, um, but think little things like you know the fact that Stein smoked pot as a college student that really doesn't tell me anything about him. Um, and we've seen him be this whole naggy guy the whole time we've known him since Flash. Um, so it, it's really hard for me to invest or care about the fact that Sarah might have to take him out to keep the Firestorm weapon from falling into Soviet hands. Something that would have made me care about Stein in this episode was uh, the thing that 
was threatened but never seen when Vostek said she was going to give him that injection with pain. Let's have that scene. Let's have her actually do it. Let's see him suffer and still be able to not say anything rather than just cut to him later and him seemingly being pretty much fine and Vandal Savage coming up um, and stating that Vostek failed. That just seemed cheap. Uh, I want the scene where we see Stein's heroism. But instead, let's have him completely break after Ray gets a, a few hits to save Ray's life, despite knowing that the whole future and possibly like billions of lives are hanging in the balance. And yes, you can say, you know, he tried to stall with the whole quantum splicer thing and it wasn't quite complete or whatever. Um, and then Vostek figured out that he was one half of Firestorm. Um, but you know that stalling with Savage would only go so far anyway. So why even say that? I mean, I, I guess he was trying to buy more time because he had gotten that message from Jax and, and Kendra. Um, so maybe that's why we're supposed to feel like he's, he's doing this because he still is expecting a rescue and, and feels that this is the best play. But I still feel like it's just way too risky, you know? Um, not that I wanted to see Ray or Mick die, but allegedly Stein was able to withstand all of this pain to himself. And then, I don't know, one cracked shoulder blade and he's, he's out, you know, he'll do anything to, to stop the, the punishment on, on Ray and Mick. Um, something that would have been really compelling. Maybe he let one of them die. That would have been, uh, super insane. Uh, as the showrunners keep trying to tell us that the show is insane. But so far, uh, I'm not all that impressed with the insane. Game of Thrones is insane. Um, Penny Dreadful is insane. So far, uh, Legends is not really insane. Even some episodes of Flash and Arrow are insane. So far, this series is not um, to me. I did, the one thing that I did like about Stein's storyline was actually at the very beginning where Vostek was giving him those hallucinogenic drugs and we got to see Cisco. It was kind, kind of nice to see Carlos Valdez um, trying to play someone else playing him under the illusion of a hallucination. Uh, so that was kind of fun. But you just knew that Sarah wasn't going to be able to shoot Stein. I mean, I never felt any peril for Stein, despite my belief in like Sarah's abilities. She certainly could have taken the shot. And I guess she, you know, they tried to play it up like she was going to go through with it. But rather than her taking her own moment and make you invest in her as a character, they have to have Snart to be the one who convinces her, which totally goes against everything else Snart does in this episode. Snart, he, he's the guy who's preaching about not leaving anyone behind or, or anything like that. And then, you know, he, he doesn't want to take any one of anybody of his own team out. Oh, except Ray. I mean, he'll essentially take Ray out by leaving him behind. And I guess why you expect Snart to be somewhat of a hypocrite. It disturbed me how selectively hypocritical he actually was in this episode. It seemed like everybody got a pass with him except Ray. And as for Ray, I, I mean, man, that guy's sense of, of self-sacrifice, you can call that honorable, you can even call that heroic, um, but you can also call it insanely stupid. 
And you can also call it, at least as far as it was to me, it was annoying. It was as annoying to me as it was to Mick. I, I've said before that I, I feel like this cast is too big. And I really loved Ray in the Arrow show. So it really kind of pains me to see him so poorly utilized in this series. He didn't really contribute anything except to be a catalyst for trouble in this whole two-episode arc. And what Mick did for him, I mean, that was cool and all, but it's pretty obvious that Mick isn't actually changing anytime soon. Um, the whole, I'll watch you get beat up because I don't care, then you take a few hits for me, then I won't leave you behind thing. That was just to give those characters something to do. And like I said, that's my kind of my chief complaint. There's too many characters with too little to actually do for the missions uh, that they're setting up for these guys. Um, I do want to give credit to uh, our friend Donald, again, at DonaldJR on Twitter, uh, for pointing out to me the Boy Scout references uh, for Ray. Um, that little tidbit actually slipped by me, so thanks, Donald, for catching that. But again, for me, little references uh, being the coolest thing about a character in an episode is really no reason to have the character. I I mean, Ray's idealism, it, it does serve as a nice contrast to kind of Snart and, and Rory, but even this whole, like, only difference is how we define a score thing, it's just, it became cheese, and it became annoying cheese for me. Now, one character that I actually did like in this episode was Jax. Um, him coming up with the cutting idea or remembering that Stein had told him about Stein and Ronnie doing that before. Um, that was nice and it was good to establish, uh, at least in terms of growth that the, the connection between Jax and Stein does go both ways. Jax always hears Stein's, um, voice, but Stein, um, can, you know, see result of physical damage to Jax. It was also an, a nice callback to Jax's origin story, the whole football thing uh, that we got in the Flash episode uh, earlier this year, and how that came into play uh, in this episode. It was nice to be reminded of how he became Firestorm in the first place, and and how uh, you know how that affected him when he isn't Firestorm. When he seized up as he was running across the field. I mean, I thought it was because he got shot in the back for a second. I actually did care about what was happening to Jax, but then I realized that he had just re-injured himself while running. But he did carry on, and that moment was perfect because it was a subtle heroism. It wasn't an over-the-top heroism, which this show provides too many of. And I, I like if they had more of these kind of subtle heroic moments. Now, his whole face-off with, with Vostek Firestorm, that was a little more cheesy. Um, and like I said, that's okay for a superhero show, I guess. Um, I did love the the look of, of Vostek Firestorm when she was destabilizing. Um, the visual effects on the show are great, like I said. And the look of the show and the action in the show, that's all good. Um, as far as Vostek's character, though, um, she and even, even Vandal Savage's character... This week, they were just so over the top for me in general this time around as compared to the 
well, at least the way that the Savage character had been in the past. Um, this seemed a little bit over the top. And speaking of Savage, I mean, to me, he's actually much scarier when he is directly hands-on rather than this just kind of overseeing thing that he was doing this week. And once again, we had the, the Rip Savage showdown, which of course does nothing other than just kind of being a delay tactic. Though, the, the one thing that is kind of cool about that is that you have to hope that Rip does get some mild sense of satisfaction from getting to kill Savage over and over again. I mean, this is the second time he's gotten to kill him. Um, so that's good for him. And, and that shot of the explosion as he was walking down the hall. I mean, that was a great shot. Um, but again, if they're going to just keep doing the same thing over and over, it's going to get boring to me. And really just like the two up arc kind of started, um, with, it started with a Cronus appearance and it ends with the same. And I have once again, have voiced how increasingly frustrated uh, I will continue to be if the Time Masters and, and Vandal Savage are the only real foes uh, with everything else just kind of being window dressing around that. Um, but I will say that by the episode's end, at least, it seems like there's maybe a little hope. So we're in 2046 and Star City's pretty much a war zone. It did make you feel for a second that their mission had failed somehow until the year was revealed. But because the year was revealed before the green arrow showed up. I don't understand why Ray or Sarah would even possibly think that Oliver would still be doing that gig. It's 30 years in the future from 2016. And I don't know if Oliver could maintain being in that kind of shape. I guess it's possible for a 50 plus year old man. Um, But then again, you know, knowing how Oliver is trying to change why would they assume that he would still be doing this? Back to the the main point. (laughs) Sorry to nitpick, but back to the main point. Um, It's encouraging me because they didn't intend to be in this time. They're not in this time looking for Vandal Savage. Um, They're not in this time avoiding Kronos. Uh, Although Kronos may be able to track them, I'm not sure. But uh, at least they're not in this time period, looking for Vandal Savage. So there's a possibility that this upcoming Star City stuff will be a, a completely different baddie. And and I think that that's good. I think we need a completely different baddie from Kronos or Savage. Um, I think that will help the series get interesting to me again. All in all, uh, in case you haven't noticed, I was fairly disappointed in the the two-parter overall. And I, again, will say that if you like action with a little bit of cheese on top, then this episode was fantastic. And I don't mind that from time to time myself, but I also need something else from time to time. So I have had this kind of frustration building little by little. And I'll say this again, too. Maybe the showrunners thought that by killing Carter, that would make it seem like it would be possible for any of our characters to die at any time. But it just doesn't seem, you know, it's not like Lost, where we instantly invested in the fact that people were dying, dying, dying. Um, This doesn't seem to be that same kind of vein. They didn't create that same kind of fear 
as uh, Q's and Lindelof did for us in Lost. But that there are there were things that were still okay about the episode. Um, maybe Kendra saying that she would never be with Savage uh, was supposed to mean something to me. It didn't to me, but it might have meant something to you. Maybe I was supposed to feel peril for Ray or actually fist pump when Mick was carrying him out of the prison or throwing that Russian soldier into the jail cell with a prisoner. Um, maybe because of the talks between Rip and Sarah, I'm supposed to ship them. Or because she looks over its snart um, as they're talking, I'm supposed to ship them. Um, and that may have all happened for you. And it, it, it's not that they're not trying. There's there's possibilities. And, and it, maybe it's just the overall team versus savage thing that's wearing on me. But none of that really happened for me. I, I didn't really invest in any of that. Even though I thought that they were points that you should point out um, right here at the end where I'm rating it. And again, it doesn't seem like it was a bad episode despite all my complaining. But since they are using mostly already established characters, I just ask the showrunners to grow them. Please. Um, grow beyond, grow the plot beyond the Cronus and, and Savage is a foe stuff. Grow the series quickly um, also because uh, I need something quick in order to keep my interest in it. I'm going to give this episode a 7. Um, now, if it was on TV as a rerun at some point in the future, I'd probably sit down and watch it again. Uh, but this is not the kind of episode that I would ever go back and rewatch because I wanted to or out of any desire to. So that does it for the uh, legend stuff. Before I get into the Supergirl stuff, I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out again to at Michael underscore Aaron uh, from Earth's Mightiest Cast. You should check that podcast out as well. Um, he pointed out something to me about last week's Arrow episode that I missed, the Code of Silence episode. I completely missed this. Um, you guys know that I am not well versed on the comics and so therefore... I hope you give me a break for that. But evidently this guy is, and uh, he tweeted to me, little tidbit in case you didn't already know, after Curtis gives Felicity the chip to put in her back, Felicity says, I don't know what to say, and Oliver says, I do, Curtis, you're terrific. And that, of course, uh, as uh, at Michael underscore Aaron pointed out to me, is a reference to the Mr. Terrific uh, Justice League guy. Um, and given that Curtis's last name is Holt and Mr. Terrific is, uh, I guess, Michael Holt in the comics, um, it could mean that Curtis is going to become Mr. Terrific someday or that maybe, you know, someone he's related to will in some way. So once again, thank you very much at Michael underscore Aaron and folks be sure to check out Earth's Mightiest Cast because they're much better at catching that comic book stuff than I am as is evident right here. Let's get on to Supergirl. Supergirl, Season 1, Episode 14, Truth, Justice, and the American Way, with a story by Michael Grasser and a teleplay by Yalan Chang and Caitlin Parrish, and it was directed by Lexi Alexander. Well, I, I can't really say that the main storyline of the episode really got me all that excited of this week's Supergirl. Though... I will give credit. The first fight sequence between Kara and the Master Jailer, that was pretty good. 
I had I had I had fun with that one. I actually did have the right detective being the imposter uh, from when he was first introduced. It seemed like the most obvious choice because he was the guy helping. So there was no real surprise there. And I don't know, Master Jailer just seemed kind of like this protocol spitting drone. There didn't seem to be any real reasoning as to why he was taking his punishments to such extremes. I mean, he credits uh, Alora, and he was glorifying her and her sense of justice. But Alora may have had a, a swift and, and strong sense of justice back on Krypton. But I can't see that she would ever have condoned this extreme kind of punishment that this dude was dishing out. So was he just deranged? If he was deranged, how did he ever end up being a master jailer in the first place? Um, so that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Now, the armor and everything, that was cool. The whole red sunlight thing, that was a nice way to weaken Kara while she was captured. But again, I didn't really feel a whole lot of peril for Kara. And even when this uh, guy, when he was just posing as the cop, when he shot Alex... I didn't feel much peril for Alex either. And of course, Alex is wearing this bulletproof vest. You know, I don't understand why villains don't go for headshots. Well, I understand why, but it doesn't make sense uh, if you're a criminal, right? Because otherwise you either get this whole kind of bulletproof vest solution kind of thing, or somebody just ends up miraculously with a, a, a grazing kind of wound. And that, that's pretty boring. The one good thing that did come out of this whole story, I guess, was the, the question of what justice actually is, one of the themes of the episode, uh, which tied nicely to the, the Maxwell Lord story. Um, and I did also like the fact that Kara did let the drug smuggler go. I wasn't really overly enthusiastic about the acting in their moments, but I did like the idea of this drug smuggler being reformed. Um, that was a, a, still a nice story. And as for Alex herself, the, the whole secret being kept, that thing actually played okay for me this week. But I do hope that it doesn't last too long. If we're going to eventually have this rift between Kara and Alex, then I think they need to start, they need to get to that pretty quickly rather than just drag it out. I, I do appreciate what Hank said about it being easier for Kara to hate him than Alex. And we saw plenty of that this episode. But it just seems to me that the longer this simmers, the bigger it's going to explode. And maybe that's the point. Um, but it's so done. You know, it, it's it's part of every television show. So I, I don't really care for that all that much. I always like badass Alex, though. And her her gun-toting friends. <laughs> uh, her face-off with the Master Jailer was, was pretty good, and her whole solution to get Kara free with the sunlight shooting through, uh, using up all of her bullets so that uh, she could get enough sunlight in there to help Kara heal. Um, I didn't really think about that as a possible solution until it happened, so that was good. Uh, could have done without the whole here comes the sun line, though. Um, again, superhero cheese, I understand. But the thing that's uh, nitpicky about that for me is that I, I hate when Beatles references are used in such a cheesy manner. Uh, so, cause I'm a big fan of the Beatles. Now, 
I'm sure you comic book fans are, are kind of excited now that we have Shibowen Smythe. Is that how you say her name? Shibowen Smythe? Uh, she's now on the show. And right now she's just kind of an office foe for Kara. But I, I love the, the little back and forth between them. The whole territorial thing going on. The the chat sequence. That was great. Uh, the, 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 there was fun moments. There was a couple of fun moments. And the really fun moment for me was uh, when she gave Wynn that look and Wynn kind of creeped out and then she just laughed it off. I mean, that was just like truly, truly mean. And and because it was truly mean, I, I think that's why I really loved it. Uh, so I got to give hats off to, what is this actress name? Natalia Ricci uh, for she's making Shibowen like really unlikable. And the question is, if you do know the comics, the question is if her and Kara might become friends at all, or when exactly that they're going to get to the Silver Banshee this season. And I suspect that they will. Um, For one thing, uh, that will be a a good, easy way to have a twist so that Kara and Kat can get back in good standing somewhere down the line. Um, plus if, if you're, if you're reading any kind of articles out there at all, uh, you might see, um, some spoiler stuff that might suggest that we're going to see the silver banshee this season. In the meantime, Hey, look, we've got smart cat grant back again. Why? Well, because the story needs her to be, I guess. And while I hate the inconsistency that they've given cat grant for the, like the last four or five episodes, I, at least if I'm going to have to see one side or the other, I would rather see this side of Cat um, rather than that whole too self-absorbed to notice what's actually going on around her Cat that we get from time to time. And her figuring out that Mac's missing, you know, that's the smart Cat Grant. And I think what was even better than her figuring it out was her saying that even though she hated it, she she would have to save have to be the one to save him. That was great, and uh, and then you had her little talk with with James. Um, that was a nice moment too. Um, and that's that's the cat that I love, and I know that we don't always get it, but when we get it, it's really good. I just love Callista Flockhart, and I love Cat Grant. I hate it when they treat her uh, dumb. So I was glad that, to see good, strong, smart. Cat Grant back this week. And as far as James goes, he, he really kind of drew the line in the sand with Kara on, on a couple of fronts. I mean, first of all, this whole thing with about Maxwell Lord being imprisoned um, and how he has to keep that from Cat and try to convince Kara to, to let Lord go, that created kind of an interesting dynamic. And now, I suppose, as far as Lucy is concerned, the, the truth about Supergirl is going to have to come out to her as well. Um, which I think would be good. Maybe that'll kind of level the playing field. Um, although we haven't seen it yet, but it, it just, again, this seems like one of the lines in the sand that James has kind of drawn. Um, he, he really seems to be making an effort to save his and, and Lucy's relationship. So while there's still a little bit of love crap going on with the show, uh, it seems to me like they really are taking steps to back it down. Which, uh, of course, as you all know, I am wholeheartedly applauding. Uh, a nice clap of the hands there. Not just a golf clap for that. Uh, I just hope that they carry on through 
with that. And they just deal it back to where it's nothing. It was too much, too quick. Um, maybe a, or a slow burn of that would have been fine, but it was just too much, too quick. Then you have the ending with the Allura hologram and, and the whole myriad thing. And you're probably asking, what is myriad? Um, and there are some comic things that you could check out about that too. Is this the myriad character from the comics that that is that the direction that they're going? Um, non really seemed to make it sound much more destructive to me than what that would suggest. But, uh, it still seems like the most direct answer, at least that we can get from the comics about that. Speaking of non, um, the Astra funeral scene, I thought that was pretty cool. And, uh, I, I, I did feel Kara's pain, um, and, uh, during that, and I, I don't know much about the prayer or the ceremony itself. Um, but it was cool that they took time to establish a little bit of Kryptonian culture in there. And then you have Kara talking to Alex about how she felt that like she was winning Astra back to the good side. That was a nice kind of through line about justice itself. And I'm just going to throw this one crazy thing out there uh, before I wrap this up. What if Astra's not really dead? I mean, yes, she died. But given Krypton technology and everything, is it possible that he could have revived her? Given the yellow sun and what we've seen it do for all of our... Krypton characters before is it not possible that she could have been revived and that Nan is just hiding her either by her will or against her will and uh, it's going to play out later on in the season I mean of course I'm, I'm just speculating wildly out loud I'm more fanficking than I'm actually even speculating but I'm just saying it would be a great twist for like the end of the season or something to find out that Astra is still alive and maybe now back to the bad side because um, of what Alex did. It would be cool. Anyway, let's uh, rate the episode. As, as I said, the main storyline just seemed to, to serve the theme rather than being actually all that interesting in itself. Um, but the theme carrying over about the secrets and and justice, I thought that that played great in all of the sidebars that we got. Um, and those sidebars is really what carried the episode for me rather than the main storyline, and, and carried it well. I'm, I'm going to go straight eight with this week's episode. It's not quite as good as the prior episode, but it, it's certainly a good one, um, despite any criticisms I, I might have had. And I don't have any feedback, so that's going to be it for this week's podcast. Make it so that I have feedback. Let me read yours by sending an email to save this city podcast at gmail.com or reading your tweets as I did at Michael underscore Aaron's or at Donald JR's. Uh, it just wasn't enough to create a whole feedback section for, but I love getting thoughts like that and I would love to hear yours. You can tweet at save the city pod and I'll read your tweets in the course of a podcast as well. Or you can leave a voicemail by calling three, one, four, six, six, nine, one, eight, four, zero, and I'll play your voicemail on a podcast so that um, the whole world can hear you admonishing me for not having enough co comic book knowledge or uh, applauding me for saying things that you agree with or disagreeing with me and stating your own viewpoints. Love to have all of that, but I can't do it unless you open the email or pick up the phone or uh, check your Twitter app. 
So please help me out there. And next time, later on this week, we will be covering the new Flash and the new Arrow. This is Matt. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me. We'll see you then. Bye. Find all back episodes and all contact links at savethiscitypodcast.wordpress.com. If you have feedback, you can leave a voicemail by calling 314-669-1840 or send email to savethiscitypodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at savethiscitypod. Please leave the podcast a written review on whatever app that you use.